know y'all, you don't. Did any of you know Malcolm Edge? Yes, Malcolm died uh, two days ago now, is that right? Thursday, at age 96. He taught uh, democracy at Glencoe High School. He was teaching it when I got there in 73. <clears throat> and I don't know how much longer he took. But if you, you'd see him around town or you'd see him at Apple a day. And he, he knew everything about everybody in Glencoe. And he was like, if you saw Back to the Future, where the principal or somebody goes up to McFly, you know, that's, what's his name, the boy. And he says, you're a, he, call, he says something to him, you're a slacker, McFly, because your father was a slacker. I go, that would be Mr. Edge. Mr. Edge would, could tell the history of every family in Glencoe and who, because and, he taught their parents and their children and their children's children, and uh, he kept up with everybody around town. You'd see him somewhere, and he'd be asking about people. Uh, so, Lord, we know Mr. Edge is with you. So, Wow. Turn with me to, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to Titus, but I'm going to go to Acts for just a second here. Uh, the end of Acts chapter 28. Paul's been on this missionary journey, you know, he's uh, on the way to Rome. The Roman soldiers, you know, if you go read the end of Acts, and they're stopping off at places, and uh, he says, yeah, you are really out of here God's kind of talking to me of course they don't know that God talks to him we really should spend the winter here they don't they get in a bad storm eventually uh, they don't stay there at Crete but they uh, end up is it Malta somewhere and the ship he's you know he he comes to them and he says hey don't let anybody down on the boats God says everybody will be saved if we all stay together so the by then, the soldiers are believing him, so he, they cut the, the boats free where they can't escape on the boats, and then they wreck on, the, on some rocks, and the front end of the ship gets stuck and won't move, and the waves are pounding the back of the boat, and they all, the, the Roman soldiers, some of them wanted to kill all the prisoners. That way, they take care of the business, and the, and the centurion said, no, uh-uh, we're going to let everybody make it. Everybody can swim, grab you something got to be part of the boat, and everybody lives. Everybody gets there. There's some cool stuff goes on. Paul starts praying for people. When they get there, you remember the story of like the snake bites him on the hand. They think, ooh, he's a bad dude, and then nothing happens to him. They keep expecting for him to fall over dead. When he doesn't, then they go, ooh, he's a god. They flip, flip from saying he's a bad person to now he's somebody special, and so then Paul prays for different people that are sick pretty soon they're they're doing all this stuff well time goes on and he uh goes to rome and he gets free from that adventure of going to rome and he he uh there are believers on this island and so it's 62 a.d and uh he's gonna uh put titus there to to pastor the church and kind of get the church even stronger and that's where we're going to go in a minute but here this is in acts 28 uh, just a couple of little sentences. I'm see if I can lift just this out. So Paul has been lodging on his own there in uh, 
is it Rome? Is that where he is? Chapter 28, verse 23. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. So what do we possibly need to be prepared to do with people? I mean, you don't know what you're going to do in Brazil. I mean, we don't know. But it'll be kind of like prepared to say this stuff. You have your own testimony of your life with God. And you, can, you have scripture. And maybe, maybe there'll be some training materials and stuff that you can use. And you'll mainly uh, think on your feet. And, uh, and I do the under your breath prayer, which is you just go, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, which means help. You know, do it in your own version. <laughs> or just say help. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. Yeah. And then you'll get yourself in a few things going, why did I do this? Or why did I say that? And then you'll have other stories to tell of where God did stuff that you went, wow, that was pretty interesting. So. So Paul's doing that. And then on down... um, it says at the near the end, verse 30 says, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and welcomed all who came to him. So this is at Rome. So he welcomes everybody. That's something. And he's preaching the kingdom of God, whatever that is. And, of course, you know, that's what Jesus has come talking about. And teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and unhindered. So, these are things that we hope will happen in our life. Uh, sometimes it happens in, in kind of a background way, and you don't even know you're, you're doing it. You're just talking to someone. But since you know God, God will start talking through you to them. And they'll, he'll say part of a sentence or some action you'll do. And you won't know that you're, you're like, it's not like you set out to be a witness. You're just... You just, a wit- you just witness your life with God to other people uh, like this. And sometimes uh, it's a straightforward telling them about the kingdom of God, about what, that God ruling and reigning, and he has a plan for humans and the earth and today and tomorrow and different parts of the world and wherever we find ourselves. And you tell them about the kingdom, and then you tell them about who Jesus is that he's the Lord. And you do it like Paul did, openness unhindered, hopefully. So let's turn to Titus 1. I'm just going to kind of go through Titus 1 for a minute. Now, um, Jamie had taught on this last week in the beginning of your message. You did a little little bit on Titus. And I read Sunday, Monday, it was one of those days. You ever have times when you read Scripture and you read it, but it's kind of uphill. You're, all this other stuff's in your head, and it starts coming to the surface as you're trying to read. You keep, I keep reading the same sentence like 12 times and still can't remember what the sentence is about. Then other times, you feel like it's going to be that way. You start reading, and it's it just like you're there. It, you can read it with clarity and understanding and maybe even new, some new understanding about a piece of Scripture. And then you... Tell yourself that 
I swear this wasn't in this Bible before because I don't remember this part. <laughs> you know, this is, must be, it must be in this translation and they messed up and they stuck this in here because I, I don't remember this part. Okay, so let's, let's go through this and see what we can pull out of this and kind of do it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I'm going to use you again. Just, just simply like because you're going to another country. You know, that's pretty much what this is. In 62 AD, Titus is there. Paul, who has been doing this for a while, is passing on useful knowledge to Titus of what to do while he's there, right? So let's look at that that way. So opening of this letter, this letter that he sent to Titus, he says, I, uh, he says Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So... So there we get, Benjamin, you got something? No. No, you just, okay. I don't want to leave it out. You usually you have neat things to say. Okay, a bondservant of God. So bondservant means, you know, the for life servant. You've probably heard that teaching, you know, like you'd pierce your ear, go up to a pole, and permanently you would put in like a, a sign that you're uh, a slave for life. So saying that, that Paul's saying, I am eternally working for God. Um, he mean like God the Father, like that. And, and I am a sent one. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, he's had a, uh, on the road to Damascus an encounter with Jesus, and he had some more encounters, we think, that Paul references in different letters. So, so he's serving God the Father, and he's uh, carrying out what God has given Jesus um, um, through Jesus, what are you supposed to be doing through Jesus? He's doing it, it says, for the sake, this is New American Standard, for the faith of those chosen of God. So here's part of his purpose of, of his uh, job description. For the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness. Now, you can have a truth and think you have a truth, you know, uh, and it might not be, uh, but it should, the knowledge that you pass on should match up with godliness, godly behavior. Those things ought to go together. Um, this is not to make fun of the president of Russia, but the Russian um, calendar where they celebrate Christmas, you know, was just the other day. Uh, they celebrate in January. And the president of Russia decided he would go to the Russian Orthodox Church on this day, right? Now, Mr. Putin was the only person in the church because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if he wanted to just be alone or he wanted to be alone. I don't know. He... So despite all the stuff that's going on with Russia and Ukraine and whoever knows, here was, he was going to the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, I can't really question where his relationship with God is. I would probably like for it to be better. I could say that. Uh, so I just thought that, that's a tidbit. I don't know how true that was. I heard that on a little news cycle, and I just thought, Wow, we're all trying to connect with God. Maybe he is. Lord, 
Anything's possible. And God got Paul working for him. Uh, okay, verse 2. In the, hope, in the hope of eternal life. Now, I, sometimes when Paul's writing all this and there's so many commas, um, I get lost in this. So, so he's saying, uh, I work for God, the Father. Uh, I'm a sent one of Jesus for the, for the faith of those chosen of God. That's who I'm, I'm sent to. Uh, I am passing on the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, this is a good thing to be passing on to people, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested, made it known, made it publicly known, even his word, in the proclamation with which I am entrusted, according to the commandment of God our Savior. So that's his intro part. Now, he goes on, he, he says in verse 4, to Titus, my true child. Okay, so he's connected to him, feels fatherly toward uh, to Titus as a, as a younger Christian. In a common faith, ah, we both believe the same things, Paul and Titus do. Grace and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ our Savior. So that's his intro. So for some reason, I was adding up days. Today is the 8th. January the 16th, 1983 at Meadowbrook was the morning that God sent me to the prayer room. I mean, I look back at it, you know, I just felt like I need to go to the prayer room. And he said, I want you to start a church. And I said, I can't pastor or preach because, I mean, I'm an art teacher. And then he said, that's not what I said. And then this heaviness came, like the atmosphere got heavier for just a minute. I felt like I was being pushed into the carpet, and then it left, lifted. And this all took place in a moment, in just, uh, what, 30 seconds? And everybody that I knew at the church, they weren't there that day. I remember going outside, walking around, because it was about the second song in the morning at the Baptist service. So I got a while before the, I couldn't, I couldn't go back. I, I thought about go, like, well, I'll just go back in the side door and say, I can't go in there. What, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, finally it was over. Uh, Jan was alive. Um, and so I went in and uh, when we got outside, I told her what had just happened. I ended up talking to all kinds of people. I talked to Baptists. I talked to my pastor. I went and talked to Don Arnold, uh, who was the pastor of the Tabernacle. I t he was really good. He was, he was, his was useful. Uh, other people I talked to, they'd say, well, maybe you ought to go to seminary. I said, he didn't say anything about seminary. He said, I want you to start a church. Like, you know, you know, you know. That was all, yeah, that was how that started. And finally, I wrote a letter to John Wimber. You heard me tell all that. That's 40 years ago on the 16th. Life is short. Or, wow. You know. Verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. 
So we're going to need some people because people are listening to the message about the kingdom of God and about Jesus. And so they're going to need more than just the part that I gave them. I'm putting you here because I trust you because I'm kind of like a father figure with you and worked with you for a while. And I think you can handle it. And I want you to set up stuff on this island in the little places where people live. And you're going to need to set up a structure because you remember they've been trained as Jewish people and you know you elders you go find somebody that you can put into position to do something verse 6 namely if any man is above reproach now we're going to do the guy thing at this point in time and you know as church has gone on we found out that women Although, when you read in Acts, there's teams, husband and wife, Apollo and his wife, different people. So, women, you know, nowadays, we're, we're times marched on kind of, and we can figure out that, oh, girls is as good as the guys at, at doing this. So, you kind of hold to the same, the same things, just change up a little bit the language. So, if any man or, or woman, we can say, is above reproach, so if they're, you know, a husband or a wife, husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of, let's see, Greek says, uh, <laughs> the charge of being wild. I like how that goes. <laughs> accused of have the charge against them of being wild or rebellion. So, so you don't want an elder that <laughs> has this said about them, this man or this woman, right? Verse 7, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, nor pugnacious, which is um, not being violent, uh, not fond of sordid gain, which is dishonest gain, um, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching. Okay, so it's going to match the teaching. Okay, so that he or she will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Now, if you're like me and you've been raised in church all your life, kind of, uh, this is almost understood, kind of, this list of stuff. But in, but in the culture that we are in right now, these are all going to come into question based on people that, are, that you're looking to do leadership things. Paul's saying this is a good list, and our culture is questioning whether or not this is a good list. Right, and we're having uh, we're having denominations break up in, uh, into multiple over different issues. Um, Christianity is always in flex. It's all it's since it's alive and since culture is alive, there is always change going on. There's stuff going on all the time. 
Let's see. Um, verse 10. He's going to give some reasoning behind this. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers. They talk a good game, but it's not, it's not real useful what they say. And deceivers. You got some people that are going after this because they see that maybe it's a form of uh, making some money. Or maybe they're just uh, deceived. And they've mixed up. There's all kinds of different spiritual stuff going on even at this time uh, in the early church. And it's down, I mean, it's like nothing's really, it's just different things down through the centuries if you look at church history. Especially those of the circumcision. Now, that's going to refer to Jewish uh, people from a Jewish background that in their Christianity, they have blended things in such a way that they're actually very religious. They're being religious about uh, their beliefs and they hold a higher value of that than actually having Jesus in your heart. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you ran into this in uh, the book of Acts. You have some talk about this. Um, so, and I guess you could run into this today with meet somebody that's got kind of a mixed thing about their Christianity based on the history backgrounds. Verse 11 who who must who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families teaching these things they should not teach for the sake of this is just honest gain uh, he's just giving them a warning about stuff one of themselves a prophet of his own said cretans are always liars evil beasts and lazy gluttons. That's not a very nice thing to say. But Paul says this testimony is true. Now, I, I guess he's, I looked up three or four sources and it's like, undoubtedly, this is their culture. Uh, of course, now they're becoming Christians, but he, he's kind of warning him going, you're going to run into some cultural things there on the island. So be prepared for this. He says, verse 13, the second part of it, For this reason, reprove them severely, so that they may be sound in the faith. So, so when you hear them with some mixed stuff in their Christianity, they've got, they've got the kingdom of God partially right, but they've got some other stuff they've added into it and, or whatever, or they've got some of the stuff about who Jesus is right, and then they've got other stuff that they've added in there. He's going, you're going to have to get rough with them. Lovingly, but you're going to have to confront. Um, verse 14, let's see. So they may not sound in their faith. Verse 14, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. So he's adding things here. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. Pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing's pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They're messed up in the way they think. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. 
being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So that's enough for one day, that chapter. We're glad, Lord, that you put this letter to tie us in here. And we ask you to let us learn from this first chapter and the rest of it. And we want to be able to speak the kingdom when we need to and talk about it in a way that communicates. And we also want to take um, our testimony of our interacting with the Lord Jesus and be able to speak from, from, from the testimony of our lives with him as we encourage people to walk with him. And we say, uh, because the room is full of people from different generations, that there's different ways of saying stuff. And just me as a baby boomer, I don't know that I know how to speak to some of the younger generations. But I ask you to raise up people. Because we want to be obedient children to you. And we also thank you that you are there uh, when, with us when we do things that turn out to be, at least apparently, are mistakes uh, in our relationships with people and our working with people in churches, um, in our churches. We ask you that you pour out your spirit in this country, We've all across the world, but but your spirit in this country that that um, a whole new crop of younger Christians that know you, that have experiences with you, that you heal through them, deliver through them, bring salvation through them, wisdom, um, a godly Christian life by their example and by what they pour into others. We ask you to raise up even each generation as it comes along. We, we need another crop, crop of them to co come up. And you're the only one that can cause it to happen. Thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for letting us be together. In Jesus' name, amen.